Hello, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Elite Suites. Elite Suites is redefining, wow, the, the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better for you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein, gluten free, keto friendly, and contains only one gram of sugar. That's right, folks. Uh, the Elite Donut is is truly a wild product with 13 grams of protein being gluten-free, keto-friendly, and very, very low in sugar. Uh, it's become a go-to sweet for me and my family. Uh, pretty awesome product, um, especially for those of you who are you know trying to clean up your diet or uh, just have an option for a, a snack like a donut that normally would ruin your diet, or maybe it would put you in a bad spot in the middle of the afternoon or a late night snack. Uh, the Elite Sweets Elite Donut brings you high protein, low sugar, uh, and a gluten-free and a keto-free option uh, to enjoy. They have three flavors, chocolate, cinnamon, sugar, and um, birthday cake. And honestly, all three of them are really, really good. I, I think you guys will really enjoy these. If you guys want to give Elite Sweets and the Elite Donut a try, you can get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. So Elite Sweets is also available on Amazon. And one of the cool things that they decided to do with the ad here in Simply Finance is you can use Shane White 30. So use the code Shane White 30 for 30% off. And that, that works on both EliteDonut.com as well as Amazon. So check out Elite Sweets and get your hands on some elite donuts. Today's show is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, most of that expelling vapors and sweat. Um, You know, most of us wake up in the morning and grab that cup of coffee after dehydrating yourself a little bit at night. What does that do? Well, that further dehydrates us. So the team over at Routine came up with a proprietary product called Morning Routine. Morning Routine has become a staple of my morning ritual. Uh, Before I work out in the morning, I take a scoop of pre-workout and one of these routine packets, throw them together in a shaker bottle, and it gets me hydrated and kickstarts my day. Each one of these single-serve packets contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. If you guys pay attention and look at a lot of the electrolyte products on the market today, many of them are filled with sugar. So get yourself some morning routine with no sugar. You can just tear one of these packets open. I dump it into around 20 ounces of water, shake it up, and I'm good to go. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. Uh, If you guys want to check them out, you can go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout for 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. Today's episode is with none other than Jake Carls, one of the co-founders of Midday Squares. Um, We'll get into what Midday Squares is, but really a lot of today's episode was going into the brand story and how Jake became Jake. If you guys follow along uh, in the CPG space, Jake Carls has really made a splash online with um, his eccentric, wild way of promoting the brand. Um, He has a new nickname, a new title at Midday Squares, The Rainmaker, because he believes the way he's coming to market with an authentic voice to tell the Midday Squares story 
as a founder um, is something that, you know, me and him talk about on the podcast, I believe is going to become a centerpiece of a lot of brands in the future. Uh, you know, Midday Squares has um, three co-founders. Two of them are what I talk about in the podcast is more of, you know, true operators. They're in the day-to-day of the manufacturing side, the finance side, you know, running the day-to-day of the business. Jake is much more uh, talking brand voice and going out and promoting the brand and meeting potential investors and retailers and and really just spreading the positive vibes that come along with uh, what Midday Squares is trying to accomplish. So without further ado, give it up for Jake Carls. everybody uh welcome to another episode of simply finance with shane white i'm stoked i have the legend back on the podcast for the second round jake carls jake welcome to the show my friend oh you fire me up you know i just found out something so interesting just a minute ago talking to you that our vp of sales in the u.s identified midday squares and reached out to us because of this podcast the last episode <laughs> I was on. so thank you for that it means the world Oh, no, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, people listening to the show. I'm pumped. It's really cool to hear like a success story of just someone even just stumbling across a, a brand like you guys and something working out. It's badass. That's why I started this. So um, very, very stoked for that. And thank you for coming back on for people who it, well, first of all, if people are living under a rock and don't know who you are and are just not even on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. Um, can you give everyone a little bit of a rundown of just who you are and the brand you're behind? Yes, I love it. Uh, so I'm one of the co-founders and I call myself the chief rainmaker at Midday Squares. And I'll get into that later of why I, I, I like that title. But basically Midday Squares is a functional chocolate company. We're focused on creating chocolate snacks that, you know, have some more added value than just the typical chocolate bar or chocolate snack. So we like to say it's like our first product was the Midday Square, which is basically chocolate bar meets protein bar, makes love with each other, gets rid of the junk that's in protein bars, but stays on the chocolate side but has benefits of protein bars. And I think um, what's cool is, is we're really breaking into the US market now. We started three years ago. Unique about us is we had to build our own factory because we couldn't co-pack our product. Um, And that's a big, big thing that took us a lot of time and actually slowed our growth down just because we had to focus on making sure capacities and operations we can handle the demand coming in. Um, but that was something that's, that's been the most fun part of the journey is building out of chocolate factory. Think like modern day Willy Wonka. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and yeah, we've had hyper growth over the last three years um, and building out our team now. And the, the goal is really to become a modern day Hershey. And I, what I mean by that is not the products that they make in the confection world, but I'm talking about the magnitude of creating a chocolate company of that size using better for you ingredients, functional snacks, and uh, just an epic brand vibe that builds real community. Love that. Love that. And if it, if it I'll obviously add links to the show notes, but you got to follow Jake and the crew uh, online, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, they have, it's funny, actually, I was thinking back to this because looking through my notes, we talked almost a year ago, crazy enough. So it's been a year since I had you on and you guys have just, I feel like you've blown up as far as like your, your reach and your distribution since we first chatted. Um, but it was funny cause you guys were one of, in my opinion, one of the first people who were like doing the documentation thing for a CPG brand. Like you really, guys really have pioneered that. 
And now a year later, you can see like a lot of people trying to like also do it, but like no one can touch your guys' authenticity. So just wanted to say that first and foremost, I've been, I've loved watching it. Well, two things. First of all, yeah, it's been a year and you look younger, so I don't know what you're doing. That's something <laughs> well, appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> you got to put that in the podcast notes as well. But um, no, I think what you're right. So we, we really focused on a path that wasn't existent in terms of connecting with the consumer. And I think this is super important for any brand in the CPG world or any brand in general is for us, what we decided to do was we documented everything since day one, literally August, 2018, we started documenting our entire journey because we wanted to show a glass door of what it is to build a business and allow the consumers to come on the journey. Because at the moment, we believe that in a grocery store, you have 30 to 40,000 SKUs. And the whole point was, how do we separate ourselves other than just product innovation? We need to separate, separate ourselves and allow for our consumers to differentiate when they see it. And the goal was, can we make them feel like they're buying from a friend, a family member, or a neighbor? And the way to do it was document. And the key factor in the entire thing is not just to document everything, because you could document and then show nothing, or you could show, you could show the good, just, just the good, not the bad. For us, it was how can we be as authentic as possible, transparent as possible, which in the end creates relatability and relatability is what sells and connects and builds community. So I think we're pioneering that. And now I like to see new CPG brands. I'm watching all over the internet, seeing new ones do things like documentation. And I hope they just stay true and authentic because that's what will shine bright like a diamond, not, not just showing the good because the truth is, is business is good, bad, and ugly. Let's be honest. Yeah, right. And um, no one wants to just see good. They like to see good, but they, they, they cheer you on in the good, but they want to be part of the actual emotional, you know, distresses or the, 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 the failures in quotations that really build a business. Love that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You guys do show like everything. Like you've, you've showed really good days, really bad days. Honestly, that's true. I haven't really thought about that. Some of the bad days I think have been the most like eye-opening. It's like, oh, this is like I remember going through like similar things at the at, you know, the CPG brands that I've worked at. And you're like, a lot of that doesn't see the day of light because it's not something shiny to go talk about. Exactly. That's that's wild. That's really cool. Um, it's funny now too. The one of the questions I wanted to ask you was around like, you know, a year later, and you've been doing it since 2018. Like now it's like this is part of your guys' brand. It's just like this glass door, this like documentation. Thinking back, because one of the things we talk about on here a lot now is going from zero to one. Now it's a great idea and you've proven it out and it's, it's worked. Back when you guys first started documenting, was that a tension point between the three of you? And for everyone listening, you're one of three co-founders. Was that a, was that a little bit of a tension point? Because it seems like when you're trying to get something off the ground, like documenting something could be thought of as kind of like distracting or, you know, maybe not what we should be focusing on. Is that something you guys had to work through and talk about? Yeah. So it's actually, we, we had two things, two tension points. Um, when we first started first was, um, I came in for the first day I came in when they asked me to be the third co-founder, my added value pitch was simple. It was, we need to build community. We need to build a genuine community. And what I believe is the only way to do it in the time of CPG in August, 2018 was we need to show our entire lives. We got to mix personal and business together. And I think that was something that was unusual, but you start to see things like Shark Tank pop in, in terms of like, you know, pe people loving it. And then you had like Kardashians and reality television that was on fire. I said, guys, let's just make the baby. The only thing is, is we're going to have to kind of become like a boy girl band where we're going to, instead of selling the, 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 the records, we got to sell chocolate, but we got to build the narrative and the characteristics. We do build characters where people can relate to. 
And first, my partners were like, they're introverted people, which is nothing wrong with introverts. I'm an extrovert. They're introverted. Um, but they didn't want to be on camera. They didn't want to show their whole life, their personal life, their marriage, for example. My partners are my right. sister, my brother-in-law. And I said, guys, it's the only way we stand out aside from product innovation. And that was the first deal point that they said. And it took about two to three months to get comfortable. And it was really awkward. Like, imagine you're fighting and arguing, and then you go pull out your phone and you're like, I'm going to film this. It's like, that's really <laughs> weird, you know? So that yeah. was created. And number two was the only way I was allowed to join was if we saw a therapist uh, once a week. So a business therapist. And I didn't even like, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't believe in that um, previous to midday square. So previous to three years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this. I have to go see a therapist once a week. I'm perfectly fine in quotations. Sure. Um, and uh, I ended up saying, you know what? I'll do two, three sessions just because you're my partners. Cause you guys accepted this filming stuff. And in the end, it was the best thing we've ever done. Uh, therapy is the most powerful thing um, that's allowed us to grow as individuals, but also as our partnership and being in family and business together, it's the hard, it's one of the hardest things. And I think without that, we would not be here today without either thing. We're not without the filming and without the therapy, we're not here to where we are today. No way. Very interesting. Yeah. Cause it seems like, I mean, that's tough to, you guys seem like you're, you're almost friends outside of business as well and your family. So like, is it, that's gotta be tough. Even do you guys, are you guys good at like turning it off? Or are you guys always kind of on midday squares? So here's the problem. It, we're never off and it's unfortunate. However, we are very close outside of work. Like we hang out on the weekends. We do some cool stuff. Like, you know, we, we travel a bit together when we can. Um, but the problem is to think about this. If there's a problem that you're dealing with in the business and usually every day there's a problem. So if you have, let's say a manufacturing crisis, right? How could you not talk about it on the Saturday that you're supposed to be, you know, relaxing, but you know, there's an intimate issue that's happening. And it's on one of the person's head and then he gets on the phone or she gets on the phone with somebody, then you hear it and you're like, okay, you could ever turn this off because until the business is fully stabilized and we bring in all the executives to actually operate the vice, like the VPs to actually operate the business and we could do just our rock star stuff that we want to do. Um, I, I don't think we're ever going to have to turn off, which is very stressful for someone like my girlfriend who wants time to just talk about other things. And I give her kudos, man. She's been three years on this journey and she's, She's supportive and very, very, you know, patient is the word, I think, um, because it's not easy to shut things down. I'm sure, you know, you know, you're, yeah. doing, you're doing all the stuff you're doing. It's, it's really hard to have what they people like to call a work life balance, I think. Yeah, um, I don't believe we have it. So. Got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, nothing against that. I think some, sometimes the most successful, it's kind of part of it. You like you, but you enjoy it, though, I can tell. Right. Like you guys genuinely enjoy it. So that's the difference, too. It doesn't probably feel like work work necessarily like it would have if you were still working at like a W2 job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I once had a job at a, in a financing world at a hedge fund, a small hedge fund. Um, and I actually would just count the clock all day. I swear I would sit there and it's not and nothing, it's a great job for a lot of people. It's amazing. Pays very well right. um, for me. If I had to deal with that and then and then, you know, I would turn it off at, at 5 p.m. I actually would be able to, and I was at the time, but I was miserable during the process. Now, at least I wake up, I, I'm excited to go do it, I, but I know that there's never turning off, unfortunately. Like, even like if I see a notification on my phone, which is so, I should shut that off, to be honest, but I go check it at 12 at night, and then I go answer the customer experience problem that we're having. And it's like, I'm now, my mind's like firing the engines up. I'm, you know, the anxiety kicks in a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, that it's really hard in today's world, um, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're doing something that you're really passionate about, you know, it, within a company, um, 
it's hard. It's hard to shut it off. Especially I would assume on like your side of the three thing, the three founders, just because, I mean, not that manufacturing is not, but I mean, you deal with all the social media and a lot of things that like, just don't turn off. Right. Like you're just kind of always on. Yeah. Like networking doesn't shut off. I think building relationships doesn't either. So it's like, yeah, if I hit up, if I see a message, like you got, I don't know, you're an hour behind us, I think, or whatever. California is where a lot of our business is happening right now. And that's three hours. So think about it at 11 o'clock, it's only eight o'clock in California. And I got a message saying like, you know, can we chat now? And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and that's like, it just never stops. Cause if you, if I stop building the noise or the excitement of the hype, that engine starts to slow down and you don't want to slow that engine down. Cause that's momentum. Momentum yeah. creates success. If you mix momentum with staying in the pocket and then also um, just pure how, how much pressure can you deal with? I believe that's the recipe for success. It's not about skill sets necessarily. I think it's really those three things, grit, how long can you stay in it and, and, and keeping up compounding your momentum. Yeah. And that makes sense. And for speaking of compounding momentum, I thought it was funny. I've just been noticing it from the outside is you do, you do this thing with people who maybe don't follow you called the milk run, which is really funny, but basically you, you come into the U S and it's like a blitz of a few days of like, God, I don't know how many meetings you're in. You seem like you're in uh, tons and tons of meetings. You're meeting with people, you're getting drinks, you're just doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like constant for like four or five, whatever days you're here. But now it's, you're on, you've done quite a few since you did the first one. So has, is that kind of a good example of you've just been grinding and networking and like, it turns into like more people wanting you to come back to the U S so it's like milk run number two and three and four. So I'm actually making, I'll send I'm making a clothing line called milk run for fun. Just like I'll send, I'll send you a sweatsuit. Okay. Um, love it. Thanks. <laughs> the idea of the milk run was basically people like in the past, I guess people delivered milk to people's people's homes and they had to do like it really quickly and like go to everyone's home. And for me, what I did was I said, if I could do these blitz trips, these blitz, like, you know, five to eight day trips where you go to a bunch of different places and you just purely build noise and hype and excitement and actually network for the company. What ends up happening is you fish in opportunities that I then air traffic control to different things. So basically mm. if it's a, if it's a buyer, I'll go hang out with the buyer, go for coffee or lunch or dinner or whatever. It creates an informal meeting where it's not really about the business, but it's about getting to know each other, that human connection. And when you show up to that, it's like, okay, you now have a strong relationship built on something other than business. And I think what ends up happening is then I'll send them to my VP of sales, Mike Scavuzzo, um, who found out about the, found us through your Shout podcast. out to Mike. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. And um, then he'll go execute his duties of closing the account, working with them. And then I have a separate relationship other than midday squares. And then another oh, I love one, it. investors. So it's always a gut feeling to investors. We're lucky as a brand to be loud and, and, and out there and make noise and, you know, not ask for permission to try to be stars. Um, so what ends up happening is investors are attracted to that because the noise is all out there. So I end up going to meet them. And the good thing is I get these gut checks and I'm like, okay, this person's good for us. This fund is good for us. This institution is good for us. And then I send it to our financing team mm. and I say, they've been gutted. They've been checked. You're good to go on your financing meeting. And then I throw them that, that football. So it's like a QB just line it up. But if I don't go on these milk runs and create that excitement and that noise and that energy, it's really hard to, to have that domino network that I want to have. And um, so they are exhausting, but definitely, yeah. definitely worth the experience while I'm young, I would say. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't wonder how many years you're going to keep that up, but I mean, keep rolling while you can. Right? Four years, max. <laughs> you're going to have to do a, just switch and hire, hire a Canadian run person, but yeah. it's kind of tough. But it's interesting though, because that's something that I feel like, um, 
again, you guys kind of have pioneered, in the, especially in the last couple of years that I've, I mean, I don't know anyone else doing it, but it's kind of funny. I think you have like your two other co-founders, your sister and your brother-in-law who are really like some of more of the operators you can tell back at HQ and you're out there like growing and like scaling and grow, really the hype machine behind the whole thing, which is funny. Cause like, it's just something no one else is really doing. Do, do you remember like, was that something you just came up with? I think yeah. it's interesting because I haven't heard you talk about it a lot is like, where did that idea come from? Cause it's, you know, you look at CPG brands, like there's literally no one else I know of that has like a third founder that's focused like you are on, on just the excitement. The truth is I didn't fit in operationally into the company. <laughs> so what ended up happening was at first I was in the marketing department, like just like CMO type of position. And I didn't really have that. I, it's only enough experience is that I was really good with telling like a story and building some community around it. Um, but then once I start, we start hiring people. I was like, this isn't for me. Like I can't operate. I'm not a good manager. So at the end of the day, what ends up happening is, is I, I have these great ideas. They're all over the place. And then I bring them. And then the, the problem is, is, if you're not a good manager, then the execution's poor and all this stuff happens. So I said to, I said to, I said to Leslie and Nick, my, par- my partners, I said, guys, I finally just don't want to be a manager. I really don't. And they're like, great. That's unbelievable. Like they, they knew I wasn't a good manager, but they didn't want to, they didn't want to hurt my <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, But then I realized I was like, holy shit, I'm really good at making relationships for our company. And, and then creating that, 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 that fishing, basically fishing them in and then giving the fish to the right department. And I said, I could do this every day and make it a job. So what I do is I just prep all that stuff. And if you don't have the engine, if you just have an operating engine, you'll never create that amount of noise you need because the noise you need in today's world is hard to make because there's such an attention barrier. Basically, we all have phones, we all have computers where we scroll all day on on content, millions of pieces of content. How do you break through that attention barrier and get people's attention to want to listen and hear you out? That you got to go out there and do that every single day to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Nick and Leslie don't have the time to do that at all. Unfortunately, they can't even, they can't even basically go speak at an engagement at a university, for example. So for me, I'm there to do all those things to make sure that there's, there's consistent conversation about midday squares going on, whether that's in Chicago, where you are, or whether that's in, you know, Dallas, Texas, let's say. Yeah. um, So my duty is literally just to build relationships and our current, we're doing a financing round right now. All the investors came from exactly what we're talking about. It's literally, it was the rainmaking uh, that I did. Love and it. yeah, I think every company needs a rainmaker, um, not just legal world and banking world, but I think every industry, because how do you not want to fish in relationships or connections or, or networks that could actually benefit the springboard, the company? It's like, I don't understand why we wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, no, I think you guys are definitely setting a precedent that I have a feeling we'll start to see more of some of this type of energy come out of brands. It just, it just works. Well, and you guys, like I said at the beginning, I mean, you're authentic. This is authentically you. You, I get this energy from you. I've ch- chatted with you twice. And so it's like, I, it's, it's authentic. It's true. It's kind of similar to people who, uh, like I met Gary Vaynerchuk in person and like, he's the same person in person that you see online in all of these videos. And it, it's just, you can tell when people are authentic or not. Um, do you feel like that then as well? Like in the last year, the other thing that's been remarkable to me is just like the explosion of distribution you guys have had in the US. Do you think some of that's all kind of fit together and it's just kind of grown into, you know, it, you have a great product, number one. Let's just, we'll put that out there, obviously. So you have a great product and then on top of it, um, just this energy and this growth, yeah. it's just like a big snowball rolling down a hill. 
for sure. What happens is, is, is these buyers see, see the stuff online. They see the energy, they see what you're talking about. And then they actually have this moment where they, they feel like they know you as a friend, um, which I think is the key is showing that everything and that wildest, like I said, the breakdowns, the successes, they want to be part of it. They want to join on this roller coaster. And that allows us to have the conversation of getting distribution, um, mass distribution. And for us, we're not so worried. We've had a lot of big, the big conventional stores reach out to us. Um, we're not ready for them because we're still building the mass awareness that we want to build before we go launch it everywhere. But for now, we're focused on still the natural world and the independence. So like the premium like accounts, kind of like Whole Foods, Sprouts, um, you know, Foxtrot out where you are. Yeah, love it. You know, like all those kind of spots, but at an Air One, at a mass level across the U.S., because we want to really turn the volume in terms of velocities in those stores. And then once we see that our, our, our growth on socials in all the cities that we want to be in, because we're monitoring all the data, right? Then we could start to launch a conventional. Then we could start to launch a C store. Then we could launch gas and convenience. And for us, our manufacturing capabilities in Montreal, where we're based in Canada, is, is about 70 million, I would say, in revenue a year. So we're already looking. We're not there yet, but we're already looking because it takes two years to build this plant on another wow. plant, maybe in the US actually, or in Canada, we're not, we're not sure where it would be. But for us, you know, that operationally already has to be going. But from a distribution standpoint, we're only in 1800 doors across North America. But I can assure you that the turns in those doors are very strong. And we'll probably close the year at 2021 at maybe 10, 10.5 million in revenue. Wow. Uh, so it was a big year from when I Congratulations. Three. Yeah. So yeah, I was gonna say, you guys have like, huge jump. That's phenomenal, man. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, the last time I remember we talked too, I mean, you guys were even talking about you were having, I believe you had to, we had to finish the podcast because you had, you, there was issues with manufacturing. Like you guys were just trying to get it figured out. I mean, that, that feels like yesterday. That's yeah. crazy. So do you guys think at this point, like with the distribution you're unlocking, are you guys going to be pretty close by the end of the year of just like completely capping out what you guys can produce? Because the other crazy thing you've been kind of, I know you've been updating people on social media of just like, each, it seems like every week you guys break some crazy production barrier, which is wild. Yeah. So we have one bottleneck right now, and that's basically packaging. So we're waiting for our packaging machine to come in. We ordered one, we put a PO in, but it takes months, unfortunately, with the COVID supply chain issues. Um, so right now, think about it. We have 25,000 bars coming off the, the line every day that are, that are being made. And then they have to pack them individually, hand pack them. So there's a stop. Wow. Right? We can't actually grow further than what that is till that machine comes in. Then that packaging machine will be able to amp that to maybe 50,000 a day, 40,000 a day, slowly, slowly get to that. But for us, at the end of the day, we're actually gunning for more retail business than, than D2C. Um, which is interesting. Right now we're 45% D2C. Obviously COVID and our strategies have online have worked, but for us, we want to really be retail, a retail strong business. I'm talking like a 70% retail business, 30% D2C. That's our goal. And once we're there, the volumes just in retail are, in, are, are crazy. Like, you know, when a, when a company's ordering for 150 stores or, or 1,000 or 5,000 stores, it's just way more volume, in my opinion, than D2C. It's just, it obviously payments are obviously different, but I think um, for us, we're going we're gonna to start to grow into our capacity next end of next year, not before that. Got it. And, and is is the retail versus D to C strategy? Is that just primarily because the vol- you think the volumes there more so than anything? We just like the idea of them being able to get the product in store. It's also very expensive to ship refrigerated product. Yeah. Um, 
which is costing us an arm and a leg um, right now. It's a great marketing tactic. It's great. But at the end of the day, um, at scale, retail is bigger. It just is. Um, and that's why I think a lot of companies need an omni-channel approach, even if yeah. they're strong D2C businesses. I think it's maybe missing out if they're not touching into that retail world. Obviously, it's expensive to enter into the retail world. But once you start to understand it and start to play the game that's properly, it's almost un unlimited. It, it actually is. Uh, if you have a product market fit, if you have sure. a product and do you think um, for you guys, and obviously this could be way down the road, but like when I think of retail and think of you guys as like a modern day Hershey, part of that in my mind would be like at the checkout counters and like just being like in everyone's face. I think you, I think people, once they try your products, like any other great product fit that I've had on here, it's like, you just got to get it to someone's mouth and people are like, oh shit, this is good. Um, do you guys ever foresee yourselves as trying to get something that's more shelf stable, but still like hits those health you know, ticks? It's been tough. Um, we, we like the refrigerator for a couple of reasons. Um, we believe fresh snacking is going in the right direction. So, you know, middle of the aisle, middle grocery is, is kind of not, de I wouldn't say decreasing, but the interest from the consumer is slowly going to the perimeters and shopping on perimeters where refrigeration is right. and frozen. But <clears throat> so for us, we want to play that game. And we believe that the confection giants like Hershey's, Mondelez, um, Nestle, you know, all those big, those big companies, they understand the middle aisle extremely well, the checkout in the middle aisle, extremely well. That's their game. Um, the refrigeration is not their game. There's re the refrigerated supply chain is not good for them. They don't understand it so well. So for us, if we can become a big, strong player in that, that allows us to people for them to come into our arena rather than us go into their arena. Um, however, I can't say we're not going to ever do a shelf stable product. We might, if we figure out how to get there, we don't believe in preservatives, additives or anything like that. So it's very difficult to make sure that the taste stays good while using real foods, keeping it from going rancid, blah, 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 blah. Um, but our, our food scientists are working on it. And it's, um, it's something that um, after this refrigerator line, we potentially look at. Got it. <clears throat> Love that. That's cool, man. That's really cool. I like that strategy too. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it, for people listening who are very excited and want to check this out, where are you guys currently located and where are some like new places in the U.S. now that all these milk runs are going down that uh, they'll be available soon? So yeah, so places like in, like in the U.S., All Sprouts nationally has it um, in the refrigerator. Um, Whole Foods Northeast began. Um, we're also launching all, I think six out of the eight or six out of the nine Whole Foods regions, your region will have it. Um, start March. Um, that's something that's going to be fun. Um, nice. all, that's a huge win. Yeah. Huge. Win. Um, and then, um, like Bristol farms, Jimbo's, um, central markets is a good one that we, we launched. That's doing really well. All the independents should have it, um, slowly, especially in the California area and Texas regions. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah. And then, uh, Foxtrot where you're at, they're a great, great account. That great. place is just fun to walk into. If anyone's been to a Foxtrot, I just love walking in there and you just see a lot of young hungry brands. They're just, you know, taking a shot they're, at Foxtrot. They're taking a shot and it's great marketing play. And then also Amazon and, and, uh, and our own website, they're, those are big players for us. Amazon's growing a lot. Yeah. Amazon. Um, aren't you guys, weren't you guys like the number one chocolate bar or number one of the number top couple hit SKUs? Three, hit three, number three in Canada, oh, uh, yeah. in the US. Um, we were number 70, unfortunately we're getting okay. there. It's a slower run, but, um, what's cool is, is being an Amazon bestseller, um, while not being on prime, we're about to go on to prime very soon. Oh, are you really? Um, so yeah. So that really helped. Imagine if we were on prime people yeah. like I buy products from prime, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, 
I, I think we'd get to number one in Canada easily through Prime and then, you know, top 10 in the U.S. through Prime. How are you guys getting on Prime? That's a huge unlock, especially in the it's, it's a tough it's a tough one when you're in the, your, your space. 3PL. So Love we're saying 3PLs in the U.S. Um, actually, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, um, not far. Yeah, not far from you. That's so when I came to Chicago last, I came went to go visit it. Okay. Um, that will be set up in Calgary, Alberta, and Canada. Um, they're going to take all our e-com businesses out of our current facility, and then they're going to operate it, which they could do it really fast. Um, the prime, the prime regulations. Yeah. Um, for us, we just can't, it's too hard because you have so much stuff going on in that warehouse that we're not fully optimized yet. Love it. No, that's huge. That'll be a huge unlock for you guys. That'll be, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's exciting for you guys. Sweet. Very cool, man. Well, hopefully people uh, check it out. The last couple of things I had to ask you, I know you got to get going is, um, so last time we talked, I thought one of the really cool things that you mentioned um, that I always ask founders that come on here is just like, what do they use day to day to get shit done? And you're a great person to ask this question too, because it seems like you're always on the run. You're always from one thing to the next. Last time you said that you guys, I, I believe you guys were using, someone had created like a software that you guys use internally. So I just wanted to ask if that's still what you use, if there's any new tools you've picked up over the last year, what do you just, what does Jake Carl's use day to day to get shit done and hit your goals? So we use Basecamp, which is a software, kind of like Slack, um, great software internally to use. And then we use Airtable internally as well, which is another software that organizes a lot of their stuff. I did discover this new brand um, recently, a company called Air. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I had a conversation about asset management for like your social media stuff, because we have so much videos and pictures. So we're actually looking into it. We haven't signed on with them yet, but um, looking into it, it's a really cool concept. I think everyone should check it out. And then for me personally, I'm on LinkedIn all day. And I think why I'm on LinkedIn for my job is because you get to connect, you know, with people's networks and, and, and people are on that platform. I think it's got the algorithm that still hasn't been botched by social media advertising yet. And um, if you're not on it and not posting and not using it, then you're really missing out. You, you really are. Because if I like Shane's post, my network here in Canada will now have the ability to see Shane's post. Mm-hmm. So I think just like that to really build your own network and don't be shy on it. It's not just a corporate, it's not just a corporate platform. I think that's the mistake that people make. It doesn't just have to be so serious, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely would agree. Would you say LinkedIn's probably one of your bigger platforms today? For me personally, it is. Um, for the business midday squares, Instagram is definitely driving. Instagram is number one. TikTok's growing pretty fast in midday squares and LinkedIn on midday squares is also growing. But LinkedIn was driven originally by my idea to, you know, I want to screw around on it. That was my original goal a year ago when I went on. It was like, hey, how can I, how can I disrupt the flow of content that's flowing through the thing? And I looked at all the content and everyone's posting about job opportunities, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Or like successes or, 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 or different things. I said, can we make it more fun and more entertaining? And when people see this crazy shit, whether it's a milestone that's wild or, or a failure or just something just whack like dancing, that would be on TikTok or Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Stop. The eyes stop, and then they see, and they're like, "Oh, well, it isn't so serious." And this new generation wants to be less serious and more just relatable. And um, I believe if you're not on it, you're really missing out. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I took it took me a long time to get comfortable to post the podcast on there, but it's done really well, and it, it is. It's like a whole people like love to see stuff that people are working on in, in creative outlets. So I, I agree. Are you, um, speaking of that, I, I saw one of your posts the other day and I just wanted to ask you this. I thought it was cool. You, speaking of your energy that we've been talking about on the podcast, you do this thing that pe- people who don't know you will, will, I'll explain in a little bit, but you, you get people like fired up at events. 
Could you just quickly, I wanted to hit on that before I let you go. That one, what is, what is, where did that come from? And, and is it just to kind of get everyone in a, in a better headspace and excited about what you're doing? Two things. So it's one of the most fun things, part of this journey and pre-pandemic, um, I was able to do this in offices every week. Like we were actually getting paid to do it, which is actually the funniest thing. Uh, <laughs> go in at midday, 2 PM and just throw on a song, blast it in the middle. Imagine a full office, get everyone dancing, laughing, having a good time, because what it does is it changes your mindset. When you flicker the mindset, it creates this, like there's a chemical reaction in your body and your brain that creates this happiness. And when you have that happiness, it could take you out of that stressful moment and just be like, Hey, fuck now I'm energized. Right? So what I realized when that, that was so successful, I said, can I apply this to all the speaking engagements I do, whether that's at a conference, a university, um, a, whatever, a trade show, whatever it's at. And it works. It literally works. People that don't dance, they get up. I make them get up. I say, guys, I'm not doing the presentation until we all get up. <laughs> and I throw on a song and then suddenly everyone's mind starts to flicker and they all start dancing. And then the vibe is just so fun. Everyone puts a smile on their face and then everyone's in the right mindset. Like you said, to listen and enjoy and not mm. so much be like bored and angry. So that's the goal of it. Cause it's unfortunately the world we live in Shane, uh, there's a lot of not happiness going on. And, and yeah. I just feel like they need that fresh breath air, breath of good vibes. And it's in my blood. So it's, it's authentic to me. And I look like a fool half the time, but I love it. You know, I, I think I, it's I, awesome. I think it's very authentic. The one you posted the other day, I don't, I think you were at some sort of conference or something. I was like, you could tell just most of those people probably, when was the last time any of them got up to dance? And it was just so funny. It was great. It was like, I'm sure like that probably made their day. I'm sure that was probably like the most memorable part of their week. So except they were out of breath, you know, but that's besides the point. That's besides oh, the, point. the breath too. Before I spoke, I realized I have to do it after now because every time I do it, I go too hard in the paint that I'm, I'm sort of breath for like three minutes after that. I need to like pause and say, guys, give me like a second, have water. Then I could speak. Cause otherwise I'm like <gasps> the whole time you're giving your actual speech. That's yeah, funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, one of the other things I want to hit on you last time had some really good suggestions for everybody on just sources of knowledge. I know you're a big reader. Any, what have in the last year since we've talked, what have a couple, maybe one or two really good books uh, for people listening uh, to go ahead and read that you've really like connected with? I love books. I love books. And I think, you know, you really get into the mindset of corporations and talking about the books I read, at least into how they, 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 they strategize and what kind of decisions they make at the highest level to the lowest level. So for me, I read a book about General Electric. It was the former CEO, Jeff Immelt. Hmm. I think it's called Front, uh, front Row Seat. Um, but from Jeff and Melton is basically, he was scrutinized for his, his, his role at, as the CEO for 16 years at General Electric. And I just got this whole other perception of him, not from the media, but from, from the book that hmm. showed me like grit, you know, like all the characteristics that I love to see. That was one of my favorite books ever. Also, I'm reading Becoming Trader Joe um, about Trader Joe's. What a book. You get to learn again how this company became what it became but also the strategies that were in place and the thinking, the mindset that went through it. So I read books like that, but I also read a lot of history, um, you know, military history, stuff like that. Oh. Government, yeah. Governments actually, you know, you're, you guys have a very interesting elections all the time. So um, I read a book from the sixties till the 2020 elections. Um, oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So just to get the more vast knowledge on things. Right. Um, 
And yeah, I believe it's helped me with public speaking. It's helped me with writing and it's helped me with just, just knowing random facts of life. Yeah, and- no, I love that. Especially like history stuff. Like, I mean, I could, I should definitely read a book on Canadian history. Like I, you no, know, no, that's, no, it's- well, it's a very ignorant thing that a lot of us people probably like, you know, you guys learn a lot about us, but how many people learn a lot about Canada? That's, I should totally do that. Great idea. How well, do you, if you want to learn about the fur trade, it's to read about Canada. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, how do you just real quick too? how do you make time? Do you just make time for that? It seems like something a lot of people claim is, you know, they don't have enough time to do, but how do you do it? So I read right when I wake up. So I read for like four, 30 to 45 minutes, I would say from like 6.15 to 7. Um, and then I feel like I've mentally, because I, I believe that I believe physical fitness and mental fitness you need to do. And I do my physical fitness. I do 30 minute workouts. So why did I not make time for mental fitness, which is basically training your brain um, to think and, 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 and take in knowledge. So I do that in the morning. And then sometimes I'll work out from seven to seven 30 after that, or I'll work out at five 30. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, when you just commit and you actually give yourself that time to commit, you get it done. If not, it just won't get done because you'll figure something else to do. Your brain will tell you, Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to eat breakfast. I need to do that whatever it is. And then next thing you know, you're in a rut where you're miss, you're just not doing it anymore. So for me, the only time I don't, don't do it is when I'm on my milk runs because I can't, um, I don't have the time in the sense of, I have to get up and go a lot of the time, hit, miss traffic. I don't want to hit the traffic. And, um, so I, I get sad that I don't read then, but when I get back home, it's the first thing I do. Love it. Love that. And then very last, but then I'll let you go. How can people follow you on social media and how can people try midday squares? So you can follow me on, on LinkedIn or Instagram, Jake Carls. Um, Midday Square is the same thing. At Midday Square is on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, YouTube, the whole nine yards, all the platforms, TikTok. Um, and then to find Midday Squares, www.middaysquares.com. You have store locators on there. So if you want to find it at retail or on our web, on that same website, we ship from our, from our own company or Amazon. Um, and uh, yeah, just make sure when you're looking at retail to go to the refrigerator, not the bar aisle. Right. That it will be the key. And I'll add all those links so everyone can find it. Um, but awesome. Jake, thank you so much for coming back on, my friend. It was great catching up. Dane, you're a rock star. You are too, my friend. Keep rolling and uh, we'll chat soon.